Welcome to the Tennis Junkies Pod, the tennis hub for all things rackets, string, coaching, interviews, and more. Alright, so in this first official episode, I really wanted to kind of talk about myself, um, just for one little mini about me post. Um, I thought it would be good for you guys to kind of understand who I am, um, what kind of things I've done, and why I'm so interested in the tennis industry. Uh, Most of these episodes will be with an interview um, style, so that I can have one or two more people uh, with me. But I kind of just wanted to post this so you guys can kind of understand who I am um, as both a person and mainly um, who I am in the tennis industry. So I first kind of wanted to start out into how I got into tennis. Um, I got into tennis because I got bored of basketball. I'm six foot six and I'm left-handed, a basketball coach's dream. And it just, I got bored. I got really, really bored. Um, And so I kind of got really lucky whenever um, I realized that I live super close to a tennis center. Um, So I'm I'm from Texas and there was a big 16-court tennis facility, free public tennis facility, Um, about a two-minute drive away from my house and so one day my dad and I kind of decided like hey let's go try out tennis and and see what it's like and of course I was terrible I was already in middle school at this point so I wasn't some junior prodigy or anything like that but I I could kind of I had a little bit of hand-eye coordination from basketball but I definitely did not understand the rabbit hole of tennis that I was about to fall down Um, a big reason of why I enjoyed the sport from the start was the quick relationship that I had with the coaches um, there were multiple coaches there, head coaches that would run all the classes, and I would really attribute my love for tennis um, and my love for coaching towards those guys. Um, regardless of their level of coaching, I built a really strong foundation and relationship with them that I didn't really have with very many um, people. And so I really, I really, really enjoyed the way that the coaches were kind of close to my level in those first couple classes that I took. Uh, excuse me, not close to my level, close to my age. So I wasn't taking lessons from some 70-year-old coach who's been playing the sport for 65 out of those 70 years. Um, and that just kind of allowed me to feel more comfortable and uh, open up and talk to them. And I, that that's kind of what really got me into tennis was those deep connections that I built with the coaches. So now I kind of want to get into how I got into the coaching world. Um, so I had a private coach at that Richland Tennis Center is the name at that public club or not even club public, public facility. And coach David Webb was really the reason why I got so far into the coaching realm, why, why I got so interested in it. He really was kind of the perfect coach in my mind. We had a great relationship on and off the court. Um, I felt really comfortable around him. I was able to text him throughout the week about my tennis or just about school or life, whatever it was. Um, he, he is a model coach, in my opinion. Um, he was able to take me to a, to a higher level. Um, and we eventually split off our um, coach-player relationship. But then he actually turned into my boss, which I'll get into a little bit later. But just watching him give lessons, I... Um, I was kind of blown away by his energy level throughout the whole thing. Um, he would give, you know, five, six lessons a day, which is six 
plus hours on the tennis court and that's draining it's draining for really anyone regardless of age or how long you've been playing or coaching six hours on a tennis court in texas weather at about 120 degrees is not amazing it's it's kind of rough out there and so watching him just have such a passion and such a love to teach each kid individually regardless of their skill level um it was really eye-opening to me to see just how he could interact with them and make them feel comfortable and really just be a great mentor all around rather than just be a tennis coach and that's really what got me into the idea of hey i want to be a tennis coach i want to be a mentor to kids like how he was a mentor towards me Another part of why I've really gotten into tennis and into the coaching is watching all the pros play. I got super into it, and I still am, of watching all the tournaments, all the matches, maybe not all of them, but the, a good majority of them, and picking out a couple of my favorite players and just analyzing them all day. I'd watch hours and hours and hours of them practicing and try and take little bits and pieces of information here and there, and I just loved it. I loved to go in and into YouTube, finding all these practice clips from all these different tournaments around the world and just slowing them down and watching their their mechanics and watching their strategy. I loved it. And I think a big part of that is why I love coaching. It's so interesting to me that you take the top five pro players and literally none of them have the same forehand. That's just mind blowing. You look at the top five basketball players and they're probably all gonna have almost identical jump shots, almost identical. But for the top five pro men's players, it, that, that is just not the case. You have your curioses, with the, his crazy whip forehand, you got the Nadal's. With his over-the-head forehand, you have like Del, po Del Potro, and he's just lasering the ball, same as Andre Rublev. I just, I, I love so much that it's a sport where every single person is so unique in the way that they play. And that really is what kind of drove me to get so into coaching because I love that I can develop 20 different players and I'm teaching them all something different. I'm not, I'm not creating the same 20 players. I'm, I'm creating each individual player and each individual person. And that is just drastically different than any other sport. So as I started watching these pros play more and more, I definitely took note of their rackets and it became interesting to me that rackets were different. Um, at this point in my tennis career, I've been using, I believe it was the head instinct loved loved it loved it um and it was the old head instinct the one with the blue and the black and a little bit of green on there i don't really remember the year but i thought that racket was the greatest thing ever and i was like this is it this is the racket there's there's not a better racket out there and then i started learning like why are all the pros using different rackets like no pro is really using one racket it was interesting to me that let's take a wilson blade for example it's probably the most popular racket on the tour but it's not like there's one racket that rules them all. Not every single pro player is using a Wilson blade. Every single player is unique, and that kind of goes back to the coaching again. Um, so I started looking at these players' rackets, and I was like, wow, Novak Djokovic is using a head speed. Wow, Rafael Nadal is using a Babolat Pure Arrow. And at this point in time, I did not understand the concept of a pro stock racket. I had no idea that the pros were not using what they're endorsing. I, I had no idea there was a difference, and so to me it was like, wow, there's a lot of diversity in what they're, what they're using. Um, and then next thing I know, I, I started to understand the pro stock world, and that is whenever I truly got into all the tennis equipment. And the tennis equipment is by far the most an interesting thing to me in the entire sport. 
it, it blows my mind how different and how minute changes in each pro player's racket is so designed for them. It just, it blows my mind. I, I, I've spent hours researching all this stuff and I haven't even scratched the surface yet. I mean, the fact that Djokovic is probably using some pro stock model from 2008 or whatever, but he's endorsing a racket that came out a month ago is just, it, it's crazy to me. It, it's so interesting. And he has all of his own little customizations and Nadal has all of his own little customizations and Every single player has different grip shapes, different lead tape placement, different swing weights, static weights, twist weights. It's just, it, it is such a rabbit hole that I found myself quickly falling down. And now it's it's what I love the most. It's learning learning about all these rackets, whether they be pro stocks or not, learning about all these different types of string intentions and things like that. And that's what really got me into tennis. And I kind of, I guess, devoted my life to it at this point. So... Whenever I first started stringing rackets, it was a little bit weird. Um, I, I was dating a girl at the time, and her dad said that he would actually teach me how to string. So I, I learned how to string on a Babolat Star 5 machine, or yes, a Babolat Star 5 machine, which I now understand is is a wonderful machine. I, at, at the time, I thought, oh, I, I guess this thing is kind of cool, but I now understand that it's legendary um, among all stringers. And so by stringing my own rackets, I started saving myself some money. Um, but we were actually doing long distance at the time, so I didn't really have a machine available to me. Um, so I made the decision to potentially go and try and work at this local tennis center. Um, the, the same 16 court facility that was about two minute, uh, was about a two minute drive away from my house. And this was the time that stringing became my life. I watched all these other coaches um, who had actually become friends at this point. I watched them string rackets in under 30 minutes and was mind blown. I had no idea how they did it. I could do a racket in about an hour and a half and thought I was just the coolest kid on the block. And next thing you know, I watched these guys knocking out rackets in 30 minutes. Thought that was the coolest thing ever. So I kind of just devoted all my time in tennis to learning how to string rackets fast. I wanted to be able to beat them. It became a little mini competition in my head. I never told them that, but that was definitely the um, driving factor for why I decided to start trying to string rackets faster. And um, over time, I just I got pretty quick at it, and now I, now I can now I got my times down to about an average of 15 minutes, and that's not something I really imagined I could do. But it, I just I love it. I love everything about the the stringing process. So along with the stringing process came my interest in the actual tennis string itself. Um, and I want to shout out Tennis Nerd for this, the, the YouTube channel. I lived on the Tennis Nerd YouTube channel. He had rackets, he had strings, he reviewed everything under the sun. Early releases, late releases, current releases, literally everything he posts on his channel. And I loved it. And I soaked it all up and just tried to learn every single type of string, every single type of gauge, every single, every possible thing I could think of. I tried to learn about string and I still have yet to look at every single brand, um, if even every single string on the market. But that's kind of when I decided to start the Tennis Junkies. So at this point, um, I had been stringing a ton of rackets up at the local tennis center and decided that I wanted to kind of do my own little operation from home. So I started up the Tennis Junkies. Um, I don't really know 
what sparked the idea in my mind to do the whole stringing business thing, thinking that it would work. Um, a lot of people didn't think it would work, but I, I made a little Google listing, um, got myself on Google Maps and, and started getting phone calls from either avid tennis players or people who've never picked up a racket and wanted to restring their $15 Walmart racket. And it, it allowed me to really meet a ton of people in my area. Um, the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area is a massive tennis, has a massive tennis population. And I started to realize that whenever I did my at-home stringing business. And I just kind of ran with the whole tennis junkies idea. Um, I decided to reach out to some companies such as Selenko and Diadem and got some, got some deals with them. So I've gotten to foster relationships with some bigger companies there. Um, the Wilsons, the Heads, the Babolats, I struggled um, because they typically want a storefront. Um, if they're going to sponsor you, they want you to have minimum orders. And I mean, I was just a 17-year-old kid stringing some rackets out of my house um, on my Torna stringing machine. And it was just not, that just wasn't viable for me. But those smaller companies, they really helped me kind of grow and just get out there, get, get to meet others, get to meet people. Um, I've made some great friends from different Facebook groups and Facebook as a 17 year old is not typically seen as a popular form of social media. But whenever I tell you that I lived on Facebook and I do live on Facebook, it, it blows my mind now that I think about the amount of time that I spent just sending from requests to all these stringers and all these companies and messaging all these people just because I wanted them to know my name because I wanted to try and build myself up um, as someone who's known in the tennis industry especially in the stringing world. And I kind of want to shout out the Unstrung Heroes Facebook group. I highly doubt anyone is actually going to um, listen to a pod to one of these podcasts from that group. But I met so many awesome people on that um, one Facebook group. And I never would have known about it if I didn't start that stringing business at home. And I didn't um, put myself out there and just try and meet as many people as I possibly could. It was definitely a new thing for me, um, but I just I absolutely loved meeting all these people. It was it was awesome, and I've definitely grown those relationships and turned them into friendships. And um, hopefully, I can get some people like that on the podcast. That's kind of why I want to do this podcast because I've met so many people um, I can't even count just because I started this little tiny stringing business, running it out of my house, just stocking a couple dozen reels, like not even reels, a couple dozen sets. It's just it, it blows me away now that I'm thinking about it, that I was just randomly made a little Google listing and now it's become my, my real passion. Um, one of the things that I did um, to further the stringing process and kind of get my name out there was I actually got to string for a Big 12 Division I Collegiate Invitational at that local tennis center that I was working at and that showed me that I loved the tournament stringing environment. I did, I believe, 50, 50 exactly. Uh, 50 frames or 50 rackets in three days, which was unheard of for me. I My biggest racket day at that time was about four in a day. Um, and then after that weekend, it was 16, I believe, or something like that, um, with those college players and college coaches dropping them off at literally the last possible second, forcing me to stay until 2 a.m. Um, but I just loved it. I loved the mental battle of trying to stand and string for five hours straight, six hours straight. 
Um, and that kind of showed me that I definitely do want to get into the tournament stringing world, and it's something that I really enjoy. Um, and I'm actually lucky enough that my second cousin runs an ITF in Pennsylvania. Um, and so I got asked to, to help string for that. So I did 96 rackets, or sorry, 98 rackets in seven days. I got to string for the ITF. Um, I got to string for players like Katie McNally, um, Emma Raducanu, which everyone knows her name now because she just won the U.S. Open um, as a wild card for the qualifying, um, which is still mind-blowing to me. Um, uh, who else? Did I, I also got to string for Coco Vandeweghe and um, Greet Menon, if you guys have ever heard of her. Super cool people. I got, I got to meet a lot of them, and it was really kind of mind-blowing to get to string their rackets and interact with them and I'll never forgive myself I tell my dad this almost every week I'll never forgive myself for not getting a picture with Emma Raducanu um, because then in two weeks time she went on to win the U.S. Open and I I will just never regret or I, I'll never forgive myself for not getting a picture with her um, or taking pictures of her rackets even though I strung them 10 something times um but anyway, that, that's kind of my introduction into the tournament stringing world, and it's definitely something I want to pursue um, in the future. I, I love the whole tournament stringing thing, and um, strings become, stringing has become a big, a big part of my life, and, and I love doing it. So I, I kind of hope to continue that, and um, a big part of that is into the string, string uh, technology world, and just anything equipment related, I want to be a part of it. All right, this last little section in the about me is just kind of where I'm at right now. So I'm doing the YouTube channel. Obviously, I'm starting up this podcast. I um, also have a website with um, a little project that I started called Your Story, Our Sport, where people tell their mental health um, struggles and battles while they were um, in the tennis industry. So you can definitely check that out on my website at tennisjunkies.com. Uh, I'm hoping to work some more on that, but I'm a little bit preoccupied with everything going on. It's kind of hard to juggle it all. But I'm also going to Hope College, um, and I'm doing the Professional Tennis Management Program, which is run by Adam Ford and Jorge Capistani. Um, Jorge Capistani is a USPTA Master Professional and a PTR International Master Professional, which is apparently, if I got this right, which I might have it wrong, only 11 people actually hold both those titles. Um so hopefully I can have him on the podcast and he can he can kind of explain some more about that and his coaching journey. Um, definitely want to get him on on the podcast. But um, yeah, I'm going through that program and, and the whole point of the program is by the end of the four years, I'll have all of my coaching certifications. So I'll be prepared to go out into the tennis industry with a degree, um, with a normal college degree and with all my certifications so I can really thrive in the tennis industry. And um my hope is to kind of grow this Tennis Junkies brand over the next um, three and a half years and really, as soon as I graduate, kind of run with the whole Tennis Junkies thing and grow the YouTube channel and the podcast and do a ton of stringing and potentially even open up my own pro shop. That's always been a dream of mine, um, to be able to open up my own pro shop and do some tournament stringing. So um, yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of my journey up to this point with tennis. All right, I just want to thank you guys for listening to this little about me portion. Uh, most, Again, most of these episodes will be with another person, but I just kind of wanted to let anyone who's listening know more about me and, and kind of understand um, my walk with tennis. And um, 
yeah, if you guys have any sort of questions or ever want to reach out, you can always look at my YouTube channel, leave some comments there, or you can message me or excuse me, email me at kylepipkintennis at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to interact with any of you guys listening. Um, so yeah, my, my hope is that this, this podcast can kind of grow and, and we can all learn something from it and get to, get to hear from some really cool people um, from all different parts of the industry. So yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode.